Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. So this was a very difficult decision. But we have seen Russia consistently trying to weaponize energy. That's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking on July 13th. The difficult decision he's talking about is Canada returning a gas turbine to a pipeline, majority owned by a Russian state-run energy giant. A pipeline that supplies natural gas to Germany and Europe. The thing is, Canada has put a ton of sanctions on Russia since its invasion of Ukraine. And so... Canada is going against our own sanctions by returning this equipment. And even after all that, Russia announced that as of today, they're cutting down the flow of gas to Europe. Germany is now rationing hot water, dimming its streetlights, shutting down swimming pools. Stephen Chase is The Globe's parliamentary reporter, and he's been following the turbine saga from the beginning. He'll break down why Canada made this controversial decision, why these turbines are so important to Europe, and where this leaves Canada and Ukraine. This is The Decibel. Stephen, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, you're welcome. We've been talking a lot about gas turbines, but can you just start by describing what do these turbines actually look like? They look like jet engines. They are big, huge things with uh, fans, and uh, they are used at compressor stations uh, along a pipeline to keep the gas flowing. Hmm. Okay, so how, like, how big are they? Would they be as big as I, I'm picturing in, like a jet engine on a natural plane? Massive like that, yes, Absolutely. Hmm. Okay, that actually that helps. That's good to know. So, I mean, we're talking about turbines here, but this is actually a conversation about sanctions against Russia while they're invading Ukraine. Can you just take us back? Where did this controversy actually begin? Well, this controversy is a bit of a hot mess. It began in June when the main pipeline that delivers Russian gas to Germany they re- the Russians reduced the flow, so they turned down the spigot. And instead of running at 100%, it was turned down to 40% capacity. Hmm. A little bit of context here. Germany's energy mix, about 27 to 30% is gas. And more than half of that gas comes from this one pipeline, which is at the center of this whole issue, which is called the Nord Stream 1 Pipeline. And that set off a a chain reaction because at that point, Russia blamed Canada for this. It said that the reason why it was turning down the flow of gas to Germany was because of a turbine, a stranded turbine in Montreal, uh, which was um, essentially stuck there because of Canada's sanctions package against Russia. Okay, so can can we then break this down? How did... A Montreal plant that has this turbine, how did it get tied up in in sanctions that Canada has in place against Russia? Sure. So uh, the repair plant in this case is owned by Siemens Energy, which is part of the German conglomerate. And its job is to maintain these things, uh, give them their maintenance checks, repair them, 
and just normally just ship them back. But because of Russia's all-out military assault on Ukraine in February, Canada has imposed a escalating series of sanctions, including against Gazprom. And Gazprom is a state-controlled gas producer in Russia that also happens to be the majority owner of Nord Stream. So uh. we're not allowed to have dealings with Gazprom. And therefore, we're not allowed to send back a turbine that was repaired in Montreal and should have gone back. Because of these sanctions, then, we weren't allowed to send this turbine back, though. So what happened as a result of, of that? Well, Germany uh, approached Canada, the German government, and said, uh, we really need this turbine back and we, we need these turbines to be repaired. The, the argument was... Um, and we can get into this, but Germany's facing an, uh, an energy crisis unlike anything it's seen since the 70s. And uh, they want to eliminate any excuse the Russians can use to keep the gas uh, spigot turned down. Uh, at the same time, you have the Ukrainians making a different case, which we can get into, which is, why don't you say as consumers that you want the gas to flow through different pipelines, which aren't having these turbine problems? That didn't uh, seem to wash with the Canadians. And we ultimately uh, decided early in July to relent and basically carve an exemption into our sanctions wall. Is Canada the only country, the first country to make this kind of exception? No. In fact, there are exceptions that have existed from the start. The Canadian government didn't block all imports of products from Russia. What it did was it put a 35% tax on those imports. So it's making it more prohibitive for people to sell things here. But we're still accepting Russian fertilizer uh, because, of course, we've got a major fertilizer shortage uh, right now. And the U.S. government is as well. The U.S. is buying fertilizer from Russia. So there are there are areas where we have de- we decided not to block commerce because it's not in our national interest. In fact, some countries had never put sanctions on Gazprom of the kind that have tripped us up in the first place. Critics say that sending back this turbine is actually helping fund Putin's war in Ukraine. Can you walk us through this, Stephen? How is sending the turbine back to Germany, how is it seen as funding Russia's war? Well, that argument uh, is mainly used by the Ukrainians, um, who, of course, are the ones getting pounded and losing up to 200 soldiers a day because of the Russians. The argument is that uh, Gazprom is a state-controlled Russian company. It's the one selling the gas to the Germans. The more money that Gazprom makes, the more money that goes into the coffers of the Russian state, and the more money the Kremlin has to wage war in Ukraine. As you say, yeah, war is still raging. A Canadian was actually just killed in in fighting recently in Ukraine who who had gone over to fight himself. What is Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky saying about this whole thing? He's pretty upset. He actually used one of his daily addresses uh, to uh, deal with this right from the top. He calls this a dangerous precedent, and he's worried that what Canada is doing by creating exemptions to keep dealing with the Russians— is it will be a part of a slippery slope which will encourage or essentially give a green light for other allies to begin to relent as well, to carve exceptions into their sanctions regime. He's also said he will never accept what Canada has done. So it's, mm. a, it's a rare discordant issue between two countries that have normally been uh, very close. 
So this is actually a, put in Canada, it sounds like, in, in kind of a, a difficult place here. How, how is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau or, or the government really kind of handling this situation? Well, the government took about, I would say, between a month to six weeks to finally uh, come down on a decision. They um, sort of announced the decision in, on a weekend in a tweet, so they weren't actually very forthcoming with the answer. And I, I, I think sort of hoped it would, it would slide by in a, in a one-day story. Uh, they didn't give us a lot of detail. They just said, we've decided uh, for the sake of uh, helping our allies to send this turbine back. And in fact, it wasn't until another day went by that we realized there's more of the story. This isn't, in fact, just a, a one-off deal to release one stranded turbine. This is a deal that the Trudeau government has cut effectively with the Russians to repair up to six turbines over the next two years. Um, but their argument is, our sanctions are intended to punish Putin. They're not intended to punish the people of Germany. And so uh, that's why we had to make this exception, because we have to rem remove another excuse that Putin could use to weaponize energy. Hmm. Why that term, an, an excuse? Like, why use that word there? Because what Mr. Putin has done, I mean, one of the things that Russia has brought to the table, the international table over the last few decades is petroleum. Like Canada, they are a major producer of oil and gas, and gas is important for Europe. Europe's be, uh, remain very dependent on natural gas, and the Germans in particular, um, they've been led by a series of governments that are very uh, keen on getting to renewable energy, and they saw natural gas as a bridge fuel as they head towards more solar and wind and so on. Um, they have, as I said, for what people believe is no good reason, they have reduced the flow on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to 40% in June. And in fact, uh, after it went down for about 10 days maintenance and came back up several days ago, it's now down to 20% of, uh, you know, normal flow. So Mr. Putin, uh, is using this to, to hurt the West and, uh, Canada's been dragged into this because of our expertise in repairing pipeline turbines. And it's thrust Germany into a bit of an energy crisis. Yeah, let's get into the, the energy crisis in, in Germany then. As you mentioned on Monday, the Kremlin announced it's going to reduce capacity again in the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to 20% of the pipeline's capacity. So that seems like a drastic reduction of energy very quickly. What are the concerns in Europe, uh, especially in Germany, around the reduction of the flow of gas? Well, it's it's panic. The uh, Germany, as I said, is an energy crisis of the kind we haven't seen since 1973, when oil prices uh, went through the roof. Uh, Germany is now rationing hot water, dimming its streetlights, wow. shutting down swimming pools, lowering the temperature in rented buildings. Sales of firewood and wood pellets and coal are going through the roof. Uh, they're in fact restarting coal plants. Uh, so nobody in Germany believed that Russia can be trusted to deliver what it needs for the coming winter. And, and that's where the panic lies. I mean, you have seen arguments in Germany that this could represent a threat to essentially social peace. And this is part of the argument that the German government made to the Canadian government is um, if we have um, people freezing in our cities, uh, it's going to reduce the support for sanctions against Ukraine because they do not want to be suffering uh, at Putin's hands for that. So 
Uh, it's a real panic, and it's certainly by no means fixed. This is there's no solution uh, in the short term. Germany has um, is scrambling to secure alternative energy uh, supplies. It's planning a number of floating terminals, which would be um, put on their coastline to be able to receive ships that had liquefied natural gas in them, gas that's been liquefied in order to be transported on the open ocean. And so these terminals would be able to receive that. Effectively, the, these ships would be a floating pipeline, right? So Germany is, is setting up an arrangement where it can get gas from new sources, and it's gone cap in hand to the Middle East for fossil fuels that it was trying to uh, move away from. In fact, uh, I think it was uh, the German economy minister was talking to Qatar about to get LNG. So a, t- a terrible situation right now. Maybe this is a basic question, but I, I guess I, I, doesn't Russia want to sell its gas? Like it has a war to fund and it's not making any money if the gas isn't flowing. So wouldn't it want the pipeline to be up and running? Yes, it would. Um, but it does have other buyers. The Chinese government uh, and the Chinese Communist Party have no compunctions about uh, buying fuel and energy from from Russia. And they've emerged as one of the countries that's been willing to to buy surplus energy from them, of course, at a discount. Hmm. This is this is an interesting conundrum because, as you say, Germany, uh, they, they wanted to they want to support Ukraine in, in this fight against Russia. But at the same time, they're so dependent on Russian energy that they're buying this energy from Russia and therefore kind of supporting Russia in this endeavor as well. It's, it's kind of a, a strange, complex situation here. Yeah. Yeah. And the Russian government loves it. This is a uh, a perfect bit of chaos that they're actually relishing. I the I think it was the Russian foreign ministry that tweeted a, a picture of a frozen Jack Nicholson from the the movie The Shining. At one point, his character dies outside the hotel in the uh, frigid temperatures, and it's basically a frozen statue. And they uh, they tweeted that with a a lot of text gloating about uh, the situation. So now that Canada has agreed to return and repair the turbine, actually six turbines over the next two years, this agreement is for, uh, is there any confidence that Russia will actually follow through with natural gas deliveries to Germany? No, no. And that's part of the uh, what makes this really a hot mess. Now, the turbine, the first turbine has gone back. We uh, we don't have any public visibility on this, but reporting by Russian media and German media or German-based media has determined that it's on its way back. Um, There's no clear uh, sense that if you do this, then the Russians will respond by relenting on this. In fact, after we'd announced we were sending it back, uh, Gazprom also sent a note to its European clients, its German clients, declaring force majeure and saying that due to circumstances beyond its control, it can't even fulfill its contracts. So, there's really very little certainty that the Russians can be trusted to deliver uh, what Germany or Europe needs. Hmm. Yeah. Force majeure, that's that's basically a, a, a statement about like things out of their control, essentially, right? Yes. As we mentioned, Europe is in the midst of an energy crisis and is, is highly dependent on Russian energy still, which is making things worse here. Uh, but of course, everyone, Europe, Canada, lots of countries in the world are trying to move towards more renewable energy to try to break these reliances on, on gas of all kinds. Isn't this a good opportunity for Germany, for Europe to be reevaluating its dependency on Russian natural gas? Yeah, I think they entirely regret uh, using 
and uh, relying on Russian natural gas as a bridge fuel to try to get to this renewable future that they charter for themselves years ago. So no, I think they're, this is buyer's remorse. Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. You're welcome. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman Wilms. Our summer producer is Zara Kozema. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.